The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Bart Walker. Good morning and happy St. Patrick's Day to you. Are you wearing green today? Well, if you haven't left the house, you ought to change. Yeah, get into the mood. Our phone number if you want to join us, and I know you'll want to join us today. Mitchell Moat is with us from the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service. Hey, Mitchell, good morning to you. Good morning, Bart. Good to have you here on this St. Patty's Day. Thank you, sir. It's a fine place to be. Well, now, are we going to start seeing things get green, turning green outside? Well, they, they are. Yeah, they are. They're trying to wake up and wake up from the from their winter dormant period. So it's uh, what four days away from from spring. So yeah, the official first day of spring, three or four days. What is it? Sunday, I guess, will I be think the twentieth. So. so that'll mark the the first day of spring officially. So yeah, it's time for that to be happening. You're starting to see some blooms on some of the trees uh, you're seeing some pear trees blooming we've seen red buds that are trying to open up and maybe uh, some some uh, early overachievers some cherries uh, have been uh, already popped out in full bloom and of course the daffodils have been putting on a show for a while now so oh, yeah. great show too yeah what should we be doing this time we get all excited and confused and people think well i need to plant seeds in the yard need to do really that's yeah. in the fall well yeah but uh, so what what is the, what is this time really okay. good for so we're, we're kind of in a window now that uh, there's a lot you can do Okay, a lot of things you can do. So from the yard, let's let's talk about from the lawn standpoint first of all. Um, in in your yard, you know, if if your goal is to minimize the amount of uh, of crabgrass and and other summer annual weeds, and and an annual weed is one that germinates from seed every year, then then we're in that window right now that it would be appropriate to uh, use a a, a pre-emergent product or a pre-emerge herbicide to help uh, prevent a lot of that population from showing up this year. Now, those annuals, like I said, they germinate from seed every year. And and since they do have to come back from seed year after year, then these pre-emergent products uh, can be effective at preventing or at least minimizing those populations because they will not allow that... uh, germinating seed to establish a root system and so it just it just dies due to lack of energy because it it can't put a root system down in the ground because the this layer of pre-emergent product will you know inhibit root formation and and so it forces the, uh, the this this little germinating seed uh, to use up all the energy that's that's stored in the seed itself and that's all energy it has so at that point it dies so now uh, right now this uh, this middle of March is the window to do that for for us you know in, in a typical year here in middle tennessee in, in rutherford county we would anticipate to see crabgrass uh, germination begin you know, around the third week or so of march so 20 20th 21st 22nd right along in there is typically when it's going to going to happen now it's, it's weather dependent it's temperature dependent um the the soil has to warm up uh, to be greater than 55 degrees for four consecutive days and nights in order to uh, stimulate uh, or, or in order for the conditions to be right that would signal crabgrass seed to begin to germinate so we're there 
Okay, so that is something that uh, uh, folks that want to minimize uh, crabgrass, and, and, and I say crabgrass because that is probably the, the most common uh, summer annual weed uh, that folks run into in their yards, but uh, uh, crabgrass and other summer annual weeds like goosegrass, like spurge, etc., those kinds of things. Then these pre-emergent products applied now uh, can certainly help prevent a lot of that from showing up. Um, the, the, and, and a pre-emergent product is just like any other uh, uh, product out there, okay, any other herbicide or a pesticide product, okay? It has to be applied uh, at the correct dose, and the dose is based on, you know, the, the area that you're treating, the size of the area that you're treating. And every one of those products is going to have on the label, you know, how much of that product. And, and typically it's going to be expressed in pounds, Okay, if, if it's a solid, if it's a granular product, it'll be expressed in pounds of the material uh, for every thousand square feet of yard space. So that's the first step is to put the right amount out there. So you've got to know how big the space is that you're treating. Uh, and then you have to apply, you know, the, the uh, labeled amount per thousand square foot unit. And then every one of those pre-emergent products has to be... Um, uh, it has to receive some, some, some rainfall or irrigation after application to move it into that soil uh, uh, layer, the, the, the soil profile, so that it forms that barrier that's going to inhibit that root formation for germinating seeds. Okay, so that's something that's going on right now that folks are going to try to prevent weeds in the yard. Uh, the summer annual weeds, they should be doing that. Now, um, if you have a cool season grass, uh, like tall fescue, Kentucky bluegrass, and so on, now <clears throat> is a good time to do that first fertilizer application of the year. Um, you, you, can, you can make um, or you can purchase uh, pre-emerged products that are mixed with fertilizer, and so you can you know, do two jobs at once. You can apply the pre-emerged and the fertilizer at one time. Uh, on, on warm season yards, you know, it's probably a bit early yet to be applying fertilizer because they have not broken dormancy and begun to grow. Uh, those are things like Bermuda grass and zoysia grass. It would certainly be okay, it would be appropriate to put a pre-emerge on those uh, warm season grasses, but they would not really benefit from the fertilizer. Um, so still talking about cool season grasses now, you know, you mentioned uh, seeding and that, that fall is the ideal time to uh, seed uh, uh, yard grasses. Well, for uh, cool season grasses, that's true. Uh, again, the things like the Bermuda grass, or excuse me, the things like tall fescue, uh, Kentucky bluegrass, yeah, fall in, in fall, that's the October to mid-November time frame, or excuse me, September to mid-October time frame is the, you know, preferred time to do it. Then the second best time to do it is if you uh, if you need uh, to put to, to thicken up a stand of tall fescue or, or other cool season grass, it is now in this uh, uh, March time frame. Um so if you've got some bare spots, uh, you know, in the yard that uh, you don't have really have anything growing there, it would be appropriate to do some uh, patching, you know, some seeding in those small areas uh, to help improve uh, the, the population of grass there. You know, folks um, ask a lot of questions about weed control, and, and the, the number one uh, method of weed control is to keep the ground covered up with desirable plants because if the ground is covered with the plants that you want, then there's not enough room there for the plants that you don't want to grow. Hmm, okay. So if you've got thin places in that tall fescue right now, sure, 
overseed it uh, to thicken that population back up and, and understanding full well that 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 those cool season grasses that are planted in the spring don't have as much time to to grow and develop a strong root system uh, that will help them better withstand the stresses of the uh, of the heat uh, associated with summer uh, before hot weather gets here and so they may not uh, uh, that population may not uh, uh, the survivability of the population may not be as great uh, as it would have been on a fall seed grass but still you know you don't want the ground bare because something's going to grow uh, and typically if you don't plan it, it'll be something you didn't want to have in the first place because the ground's full of seed from all these plants that have grown there in years past that made seed and were able to drop those seed in the ground they're just waiting for opportunities to grow so if you're going to do, if you need to thicken up a cool season grass stand like tall fescue uh, because of thin areas, sure, you can do that now. I would caution folks that, you know, we've talked about, uh, we've talked about putting out pre-emerge for crabgrass and other summer weeds. We've also talked about seeding uh, desirable cool season grasses like tall fescue. You don't do them both at the same time, though. Because that pre-emergent product can't differentiate between uh, your, your tall fescue or other desirable grasses uh, uh, any more so than it can, uh, you know, tell the difference. It, it cannot differentiate between those good seeds and the bad seeds. So it'll have the same effect on, uh, uh, on tall fescue seed as it would on, on crabgrass seed. So that's something to keep in mind. Now here's a question from a listener who says, how can I get my grass greener? What is the best product uh, to have? Uh, they have Kentucky fescue. What can they do to make it greener, though? Okay. So, so if they got Kentucky 31 tall fescue, as I mentioned earlier, and right now is a perfect time to make the first application of fertilizer uh, for the year. And uh, green is associated uh, with nitrogen. Okay. And so every fertilizer package out there is going to have um, a, a label on it, and, and it'll, and, and that label will will tell you what the fertilizer analysis is, and and typically uh, it involves three numbers, and those three numbers represent the three primary nutrients, and they're always listed in this same order: nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. So every fertilizer package is going to have those three numbers on there. Now some of those spaces, you know, might be zero, and that's just saying it doesn't have that particular nutrient in there. So uh to 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 encourage greening all right and, and then then you want a fertilizer that's, that contains nitrogen so the nitrogen is the first number on the package uh it could be you know as high as a as a 46 percent those numbers represent percentages so if it said you know 4600 then that tells you it's a 46 percent nitrogen fertilizer doesn't contain any phosphorus or any potassium uh, so the, the question was how how can i get it to green up well that is a way to do it to apply nitrogen fertilizer how much nitrogen uh, do you put out there on, onto the yard well, you ought to shoot for somewhere in the neighborhood of a, of a pound, of one pound of nitrogen for every thousand square feet of yard space. Now, that's not a pound of fertilizer. That's a pound of nutrient, a pound of nitrogen. So, if you, uh, uh, we use the example, or I use the example of a, a 4600 fertilizer. So, that's 46% nitrogen. If your goal is to apply a pound of nitrogen, you know, how much of that 46% fertilizer does it take to do that? Well, 
you divide a pound by 46%, so one divided by 0.46 comes out to almost two pounds. So it takes about two pounds of a 46% uh, a nitrogen fertilizer to give you a pound of nitrogen. If it, if you used a 10% fertilizer, uh, like, like triple 10, 10, 10, 10. So that tells you that it's got 10% nitrogen, 10% phosphorus, 10% potassium. So to get your pound of, of, of nitrogen, you know, one pound divided by 10%, is 10 pounds. So it takes 10 pounds of a 10% fertilizer to give you that pound of, of nutrient out there. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Without knowing, you know, what your phosphorus and potassium levels are, you may or may not need any. Uh, so if you don't know, and if you haven't had a soil test done in a long time, you know, it, <clears throat> uh, uh, it, it's not going to, it's not going to hurt the grass to go ahead and use a complete fertilizer. So, and then the complete fertilizer, again, is one that has all three of those major nutrients, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. So I use the example of 10, 10, 10. That's complete fertilizer. Uh, 13, 13, 13 is complete fertilizer. It just has a little more of each of the nutrients mm -hmm. than 10, 10, 10 does. And just like triple 15, 15, 15, 15 has a little more of each of the nutrients than the, the 13, 13, 13 does. Uh, so as the, the, the percentages go up, then the amount of fertilizer material that you use to give you your pound of nitrogen uh, is, is going to go down a little bit. So with a 10% product, you know, it takes 10 pounds to give you a pound of, of nutrient. With a 13% product, it takes about seven and three quarter pounds to give you a pound of nutrient. Uh, you know, I mentioned that if you don't have a soil test, haven't had one done in a long time, you know that you may need some additional phosphorus and potassium. So using a complete fertilizer like the 10, 10, 10, 13, 13, 13, so on, will give you that. And if you if you fertilize at the rate of a pound of nitrogen for 1,000 feet, it will also give you a pound of phosphorus and potassium at that same time. Um, so, so, well, that's a long way to go about answering how can I green it up. Well, that's a way to green it up. You'll put some nitrogen fertilizer on there. You can also add the, the phosphorus and potassium at the same time. But, you know, to maintain a good uh, uh, green color and, and, and vigorous growth, th then you want to... You, you want to feed it uh, throughout the growing season. So. And so for cool season grasses, you know, you're de depending on how good do you want it to be, uh, you might look at a couple of applications, you know, an application of fertilizer in March, another one in mid-April, and then possibly again uh, along about, uh, you know, the, the first part of September, and then again, you know, the early uh, the middle part of October. Uh, for uh, a season-long fertilizer app or a fertility program. I would really encourage folks, uh, if, if they want to get on a fertility program, to maintain uh, uh, turf vigor, uh, good growth and, and, and color, and uh, just uh, the overall health and performance, that you have a soil test done so that you'll know if you need to add the phosphorus and potassium. You know, I, I said that you could use that complete fertilizer now without knowing, uh, without a soil test. But you don't want to continuously apply those nutrients if you don't need them. Because, I mean, it's a waste, okay, because the plant's not going to benefit from it if there's already enough there present in the ground. And sometimes there is. It just depends on how the ground's been managed in years past and what's been done out there and so on. So having a soil test done uh, will, will tell you that, and it will help you uh, follow a, a fertility program that, that really matches up with, with uh, the fertility conditions of the ground that you're managing uh, and, and to help meet the needs of the plant. So if this person put 4600 on his lawn and didn't need it, it wouldn't hurt it 
but it wouldn't make it greener. So, so the 4600, that's a nitrogen only, and, and, and the grass is always going to benefit from nitrogen. Okay. Okay. It, it will always do that. So that first number in those three numbers is always going to be nitrogen. So nitrogen is the the uh, uh, the most used nutrient uh, of the of the essential plant nutrients, and it doesn't remain in the soil for long periods of time. It's used up fairly rapidly by the plant. So you will typically always see a positive response from the application of It'll nitrogen. It'll get green. It it should it, mm-hmm. it should get green. Now there are. There are other things that can influence greening, or the, the you know how green the grass is. Number one is, does it have the genetic potential to be as green as you want it to be? Well, I don't know. Uh, there are different uh, uh, there are different kinds of tall fescue. Uh, they mentioned Kentucky Thirty One. Or at least I think that's what they said. In the oh, message. he said Kentucky fescue. Kentucky fescue. So if it's Kentucky fescue, then there's only one of those out there. That's Kentucky 31. Uh, Kentucky 31 is is we would call that the old tall fescue, or the the original, if you will, the unimproved tall fescue. Now, since in, you know, what does the 31 in Kentucky 31 mean? It means 1931. That's that's when it came okay. out. Okay, so that's so how long it's been. No around. big deal. <laughs> no, it's been around a while. It's proven. Okay, yeah, it has okay. a track record. It has a track record. But there have been improvements in tall fescue, uh, in the breeding of tall fescue since then. And so, um, uh, uh, in the as a result of the breeding efforts, there there have been developed these grasses called turf type tall fescues. And they're called turf type or improved turf type because they have the potential for a darker green color than the unimproved or the original Kentucky 31 has. Uh, And maybe uh, they have uh, uh, a finer texture, and all texture is is a measure of blade width, how wide the blades are. So, um, you know, any grass can only be so green. Uh, so if, if you've got Kentucky 31, you know, you can certainly improve the color. Well, generally you can by the application of nitrogen, but, but it will only get as green as genetically possible. All right. So and if you're growing, if you were to grow, you know, Kentucky 31 uh, in a plot directly beside a plot of the improved turf top tall fescue, assuming there's adequate nutrition for both of them and so on, then typically, yeah, the improved turf top will always be greener okay darker green than the kentucky 31 will be uh but the kentucky 31 can certainly be green in color so the application of a nitrogen fertilizer should improve the green color on on any tall fescue or any grass okay not just tall fescue bermuda grass soya grass etc as long as that grass is growing and can utilize it take the nutrient in and benefit from it then it should show uh you know positive response from it uh, uh, unless you apply it way too much, and then it'll show a negative response. You know, it's just like anything else. If you overdo something, then you can cause negative, uh, negative results from it. So that's why um, uh, you want to uh, put the correct amount out there. It's like applying a pesticide. I said you have to put, you know, the right amount per unit of area, and that's typically in pounds per thousand feet. Well, the, you know, the nutrients go out in, in, in units of typically pounds uh, of nutrient per thousand feet of yard area. So you've got to know the space that you're putting it on out there to, to know how much fertilizer to apply to it also. Now, I mentioned that there are other things that can influence the green color uh, of grass and other plants. Um, and that can be associated uh, uh uh, or the availability of those nutrients in the soil can be associated with uh, soil pH. And pH is a measure of acidity or alkalinity. And if soil pH is too low, 
then some nutrients may not, they may be present in the ground, but they may not be available for the plants to take out of the ground uh, and thus get the benefit from them. Uh, and, and conversely, if the pH is too high, if it's too much on the, the, the basic side, if in high it was going to be, you know, anything above 7. 7 is neutral. Four, pH scale is 14 points. 7 is right in the middle, so it's neutral. Anything below 7 is acid. The further away from 7 you go, the more acid it becomes. Anything above 7 is basic. And the further away from seven you go, the more basic it becomes. So, uh, you know, conversely, if it's too basic, then uh, some nutrients may not be available. Iron is an example of that. Uh, and, and iron has, you know, some bearing on green color. If uh, soil pH is really high, you know, way above, uh, a good bit above seven, then there could be adequate iron in the ground, but the plant can't take it up because of the pH, and it may have more of a yellow chlorotic look to it. So we need to have a soil soil check. test. That's the way to be sure. But you know, general question, yeah. If it, if you want to green it up, put some nitrogen on it. Especially you're talking about grass. And of course, you do the soil test right there at the ag center in Nashville. You take it to Nashville. Yeah, the the, the University of Tennessee uh, does operate a soil fertility lab located uh, uh, on the campus of Ellington Agricultural Center in Nashville. Um, a, a soil sample uh, is a simple thing to take. You go to numerous locations uh, in the in the area that you're that you're testing. So in this case of a lawn, I would suggest you go to at least ten spots in the yard. Uh, just begin in the front yard or, or somewhere in the yard, uh, over in a corner, and uh, sample the top six inches of soil. Take that six inch deep sample, drop it over in a bucket, and you, it doesn't matter what you dig with. You just want to dig out, you know, the six inches of soil. Uh, take the uh, grass debris or whatever plant growth is on the surface. Take that off. Pick out any rocks and some pebbles that might be in there. Drop that in the bucket, and then you just kind of go in a zigzag, a walking W pattern, back and forth across the entire lawn, uh, so that you have covered the entire lawn area and taking that 10 samples a dozen samples is fine too drop all those in a bucket mix them together that creates a composite of that yard you know you get a good uniform representation of the yard out of that you need about a cup and a half two cups of soil that's enough to have the test performed and this is a good time of the year. oh it's fine time to do it yeah it's fine time you know typically turn around in the lab uh, during the busy time is, is not bad uh, the goal the lab's goal their stated goal is to once that assuming the sample arrives uh, in a relatively dry state they don't have to dry it after it gets there then their goal is to have the results back in a couple of days oh wow that is fast it is Jay, well let's do let's pause for a moment we will return on this st patrick's day edition of our lawn and garden show mitchell moat is with us Join me, America's career coach Ken Coleman, weekdays live at noon here on News Radio WGNS for practical advice to help you discover the work you were born to do. Does being a caregiver for your loved one wear you out? Then Arosa Care is here to help. Arosa has an experienced team of caregivers and licensed care managers who help families make educated decisions regarding the aging process. This is Erin Keo Rankin. Let me help you. Call us at 615-848-6774 or find us at arosacare.com. Legacy Point Subdivision will eventually have 77 Habitat homes. 
we're having trouble finding enough lots. Terry Schultz, who is our executive director, thought ahead and decided that we would purchase a big plot of land. When you shop at the Habitat Restore, you save money yourself and help others achieve the dream of home ownership. The Habitat Restore, 850 Mercury Boulevard. As cold and flu season approaches, one of the best things that you can do to give somebody who is sick is a quart of Demas's chicken and rice soup. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. This soup is my grandmother's recipe, and we have used this soup in order to help our family whenever we are sick. Just gives us a good comfort feeling. One of the things that you can also do is you can now ship that soup anywhere across the United States, and you can order that soup online at demasfamilykitchen.com. Come by our store, Music World and Drummer's Den. We're a full-line music instrument store with well over 5,000 square feet packed with great instruments in every category. In guitars, we're your local dealer for the two top acoustic guitar brands in the world, Martin and Taylor. We've got the best selection and prices anywhere in the state of Tennessee on these. This is Dave Kivanemi at Music World and Drummer's Den in Murfreesboro, 2762 South Church Street, across from Indian Hills Golf Course. Hi, this is Becky Bookner, and I'm just so proud to talk about the veterans in our community and what an incredible gift they've given all of us, and that's our freedom and the right to live in this country, and we're so grateful to them for the sacrifices they've made. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. We're talking with retired U.S. Army Master Sergeant Patrick Garland. I spent 17 years in the military police corps. I wound up in forensic sciences. He's learned from the who's who in forensic science. I worked with Dr. Pierre Fink, and he was one of the pathologists who assisted in the autopsy of President Kennedy. I worked with the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology. I studied gunshot wounds, and I was asked to examine the ball that was removed from President Lincoln's head and identify it as being the proper one. I had to go to Ford Theater and look through all the medical reports. Another case was much closer to home. A grave had been tampered with in Franklin, and part of her body was found, and it was sent to Dr. Bass in Knoxville. His assumption at the beginning of the investigation was that this was a fresh body, and it turned out he was killed in the Battle of Franklin back in the Civil War. And he had been embalmed with arsenic at the time, and that was a good preservative. Dr. Bass said that he made a mistake by about 100 years on it. A different veteran story from retired U.S. Army Master Sergeant Patrick Garland. If you know a veteran you'd like to highlight, let WGNS know, and we'll honor them in our daily salute to veterans. Five Star Building Solutions, Tennessee's leading commercial cleaning service, professional disinfecting and fogging services. Visit BuyStarBuildingSolutions.com to learn how Star can clean and sanitize your office or church today. Again, BuyStarBuildingSolutions.com. Partial sunshine develops here this afternoon, high in the low 70s. Winds out of the southwest of 5 to 10 miles per hour. For tonight, partly cloudy skies develop low near 50. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 48. Good Neighbor Talk covers issues you won't hear anywhere else. They're local issues. WTNS, AM, FM, online.
It's St. Patrick's Day. That gives us sort of a feel of uh, Celtic rock. Uh, some electronic instruments, bagpipes, interesting combination. There. It is. Yeah. Very upbeat. Yeah. I bet it's cold in Ireland right now. It's all it's always cold in Ireland. Uh, good chance it's cloudy, I guess. Maybe <laughs> a little rain in the forecast. I don't know. Uh, I guess it to, to, to be known as uh, uh, what what the Emerald Isle. Yeah, they, they they need a lot of moisture there to keep the grass green. And it is beautiful over there. I'm yeah. just seen seen the pictures, yes. Our phone number if you want to join us, 615-893-1450. 615-893-1450. You can talk or text, whichever you prefer. Mitchell Moat is our guest this morning. Mitchell, are there some activities uh, that we can learn some things about lawns and gardens? Well, there are uh, a couple of things coming up here uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks on the uh, 22nd of March at uh, 6 p.m. There is a session on uh, uh, home... Um, Home, home pest control remedies uh, uh, for, for lawns and landscapes, you know, fact versus fallacy. And the, the focus of those is uh, uh, some of the, uh, uh, some of the uh, uh, homemade uh, pest control remedies, you know, how effective are they, are they, are they safe, and just kind of some of the uh, things to consider uh, or, or to look at uh, when you evaluate the uh, uh, using one of these uh, home remedies versus a uh, uh, commercially prepared, you know, pest control product. So you're talking about making it yourself. Yeah, talking about making it yourself, and you know, is it is it a good idea? Uh, does it have a chance of working? There, there's some uh, that, that probably do. Uh, not probably that they, they they do have a good chance of working. Others. Uh, there's no basis of uh, of evidence that they do anything positive at all. Uh, and then on the 29th of March, also at 6 p.m., uh, there's a, a session entitled Something's Tearing Up My Yard. And looking at those critters that uh, uh, dig holes and, and create mounds and tunnels uh, uh, in your lawn and landscape, things like moles and voles and armadillos and, and such as that. Uh, how to identify which kind of critter you got that's causing that sort of damage, and then, you know, what can you realistically do uh, to help minimize that damage or control that pest. Uh, that's, again, on the 22nd is the uh, home pest remedies, and on the 29th is the Something's Tearing Up My Yard. Both of those begin at 6 p.m. Uh, they'll be held at the, uh, uh, the auditorium there at Agri Park at the Extension Service Office building. Um, it, there's these classes these sessions are free uh but we do ask that you that you register just have some idea of how many folks uh, to expect to be there to make sure there's enough chairs for everybody uh you can register by calling the extension service office at 615-898-7710 uh, during business hours 8 to 4 30 monday through friday or you can email me uh and that email address is uh mmote1 at utk.edu so that's m-m-o-t-e the number one at utk.edu now on these uh are you doing both of those programs yes sir okay so uh people get to know you on the radio and so they just feel at home with your information there. well or, or maybe it'll scare them away i don't know <laughs> i don't know a now, lady. This, this is the first time i've heard armadillos including in, in something's tearing up my yards. Yeah, so it's they, they, more common. Yeah, more common. So they're doing uh, 
what do they do? They dig holes. You know, they're, they're insect feeders. Uh, you know, skunks are insect feeders. Raccoons they'll feed on insects too, and, and it's in soil insects. You know, grubs and worms and uh, 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 sow bugs, pill bugs, uh, uh, snails. You know, stuff like that, that that's in the ground. And in order for them to to get to them, they have to you know dig up some uh, to mm-hmm. get down to them. So yeah, they can they can cause uh, you know a fair amount of damage. Uh, and so the armadillo, are they looking for these moles and voles? No, armadillos are looking for the same thing. That the moles now, the moles will tear up the yard to eat insects, and, and skunks will dig holes to eat insects, and armadillos dig holes to eat insects. You know, because those are all insectivores. They oh, okay. they're feeding on those critters in the ground. Uh, voles eat plant material, uh, and they don't. You know, they don't. They dig holes in the ground and they create runs, but they don't. They don't create mounds and raised areas and so on like uh, like like uh, 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 moles will do that. So circle those two dates: March twenty yeah. second, uh, home pest control remedies, and March 29th, Something's tearing up my yard. Uh, interesting. Those are both free, but let them know you're going to be there. Yeah, Call six one five eight nine eight seventy seven ten. We have a question here from a listener, uh, and they're wanting to know, they said they moved here uh, in late uh, November, and they moved to a new house. It did not have any grass or anything. You were talking a little while ago about have something out there. They said they are ready for something on the yard because they have a lot of red clay, Mm -hmm. and with the rain we've had, that red clay is uh, with kids coming into the house regularly. Makes a lot of red mud. <laughs> what can they put yeah. on there? So, you know, this time of year you're looking to sow grass seed now. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, there's more than one way to put grass out there. You yeah. know, sowing seed is one of those ways. Uh, you can put sod down. Uh, yeah, you have an instant lawn. Instant yard. So that is the fastest way to solve that uh, uh, exposed soil problem. You know, cover it with sod. Um, and probably the only sod available right now, uh, most sod growers aren't cutting uh, uh, warm season grass sod like zoysia and Bermuda grass. Uh, so cool season grass sod like, like tall fescue uh, would be probably the primary one that's available right now. But you could also sow uh, those cool season grass seeds, uh, a tall fescue. Uh, on, on bare ground out there like that, you know, you're probably looking at using somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 8 to 10 pounds, uh, no more than 10 pounds of grass seed for every 1,000 square feet of yard area that you have. Um, do something to, to rub that ground up a little bit to, to loosen it up so that those seed can 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 lodge in the ground uh, whether it's a uh, you know you run a, a, a core aerator through it uh, or just uh, depending on how large the area is you know a good stiff rake uh, just to scar that ground up some open it up some uh, you know sow the grass seed uh, back up I would I would use a starter fertilizer and a starter fertilizer is one that's lower in nitrogen higher in phosphorus and potassium because those young grass plants are, are going to use more phosphorus uh, than, than a more mature grass plant would, and, and they all benefit from the potassium. So an example of that would be like a 6-12-12 uh, ratio or a 5-20-20 ratio, something like that, lower uh, nitrogen, higher phosphorus and potassium. So apply that, incorporate it in the ground, you know, either through coreification, through, uh, through raking, uh, et cetera. Uh, and then, you know, sow the grass seed. Um, you can uh, b- broadcast the seed. Uh, you can rent a, uh, um, 
a slit seeder, if you will, uh, from one of the power, uh, from one of the stores that, that rent outdoor power equipment. Uh, and a slit seeder is just a device. It's like a little drill uh, that plants, that opens the ground up and plants the seed in the ground. Uh, and then if it's totally bare ground, you know, covering it with a, just a thin layer of straw mulch to help hold moisture around the grass seed and uh, to kind of help hold it in place uh, is an option. Also, uh, covering uh, the ground with a, a thin layer of uh, uh, compost or uh, uh, maybe peat moss. Just to, And when I say a thin layer, you know, a quarter inch or so deep uh, to, uh, to help hold the seed in place and to help uh, uh, help the seed to stay damp once uh, once it gets wet and starts to swell begin that germination process that can help improve germination now you know we've, we've been talking all cool season grasses tall fescue kentucky bluegrass and so on now the, you know the other option out there is your warm season grass and and those primary uh, the primary ones are going to be uh, bermuda grass and soya grass for us here um those can be planted uh, from seed, you know, typically beginning in May. The, they, we have to be past frost danger uh, to plant those warm season grasses. So if you uh, uh, have in mind of or you have a preference for a warm season grass versus a cool season, you know, May through June are, are two good months to think about planting those warm season grass seed. Uh, and, and there's a lot more. Uh, uh, there are more varieties, more uh, uh, cultivars of, of Bermuda grass available uh, to plant from seed than there are, you know, zoysia grass. So that's that's by far the uh, the most available one, at least in terms of choices. Okay, as types out there. And if you've got a full sun location uh, and, and you want grass that can, can really hold up to the heat, I mean, warm season grasses are called warm season because they love heat and they need the heat. Uh, that's certainly an option to think about. Okay, But again, it's, we're, we're talking uh, May before you think about planting those. We need to be past frost danger to do that. Okay, here's another question. This one's dealing with container gardens, and they didn't mean for it to be, but it's sort of an Irish question. Last couple of years, I've had good luck with the container gardens or raised bed gardens, uh, as you would say. I would like to plant some potatoes. I thought about using uh, some totes, drilling some holes in the bottom, and then uh, cutting a couple of little doors and tape them back together in order to check on them. Uh, is that doable? Well, I think so. Uh, there, there are a lot of ways. Uh, and that's you know that's that's kind of ingenious uh, thought right there to uh, uh, use a toe. I mean, if you've got as long as you got twelve inches or so of soil depth, you know you, that's that's you probably need at least that much uh, mm-hmm. to grow potatoes uh, because we are talking about these tubers growing under the ground. So you know you need you need a fairly deep growing uh, uh, area, a, a root zone. So twelve inches or so is a minimum. So yeah, a, a, a big tote would certainly give you that. And then the idea uh, you you, do, you you would want gr- drain holes in it because otherwise water's just going to pond down there and it's going to stay perpetually wet so you do want it to drain through so drilling holes is a good idea you know cutting uh making yourself uh, uh an inspection door but yeah I'd, I'd, sure mm-hmm. I'd, I'd try yeah. it. uh because you you can't open up you know and, and kind of you know pull some dirt back you're gonna have and, and then you know you look and see how things are coming along and then you can you know put the dirt back around them and close the door uh, seal it back up again sure pretty creative yeah and and now's the time to do that you know uh you don't have to just do stuff in the yard right now i mean if you're a vegetable gardener you can you've got a lot of opportunities most all of your cool season crops you know we're in that planting window stuff like the 
the lettuce and the, the, the broccoli and the cauliflower and the, uh, uh, the, the onions and the radishes and uh, uh, all of those cool season crops, potatoes and so on. We're in that window now to plant those kinds of things. Um, you know, the, the, the garden centers, they're having uh, uh, available now the transplants for, for, for cabbage and for cauliflower and for broccoli and for um, um, Brussels sprouts and, and, and uh, you know, your onions, whether you're talking about the, you know, the onion sets uh, uh, or the onion, uh, uh, the, the onion plants to put out there. Um, and, and now's the time to plant potatoes. So uh, lot, lots of opportunity uh, to do things in the garden. If you've got raised beds, you know, you probably uh, have somewhat of an advantage because they, they dry out a little faster because they're raised, they're elevated. So you've got some gravity work in there to help pull the water down a little quicker. Uh, and, and so you uh, may be able to go in uh, faster or sooner after a rain event and work in the bed uh, than somebody that's doing a traditional, you know, in-ground or a flatbed garden, uh, I guess, then uh, uh, the, the raised bed folks may have a little advantage there, but they can both be very productive. Totally different question here from another listener. I have a large family of moles in my yard right now. Yeah. Will the poison gummy worms harm any other animals? So I'm, I'm guessing yeah. they're wanting to use they're talking poison about using gummy the, worms. the worms. And so, uh, the, you know, there is a, a, a bait uh, product. Uh, designed for moles and they are uh, made in such a way to mimic the uh, the uh, what's thought to be the number one preferred food choice of moles and it's you know worms uh, night crawlers earthworms so on and so uh, and they do they look like them uh, and they have this uh, uh, toxin impregnated onto or, or mixed in with the uh, the worm uh, her qu- uh, the question i said her i don't know if it's a she or he wrote <laughs> that but the answer is yes uh, those things uh, uh, do have uh, you know there are toxins okay and most of those products uh, will, will caution you that uh, you want to put them in, uh, you, you want to avoid, you know, your dog or your cat or whatever uh, uh, consuming those, and um, so so that's that is a real concern. But you know, the thing to keep in mind is to use those uh, those baits the correct way. You're going to put them down in the ground. You're not going to put them out there on the ground. You're going to put them in the ground. You're going to put them in uh, the tunnels uh, that the moles have created uh, because that's what those tunnels are for. Those are uh, typically foraging tunnels. Uh, moles uh, uh, don't sleep a lot, apparently. Uh, they, they, they consume a, f- a, lo- a lot of food, especially for their size. And so they have to find the food out there. So they're feeding on insects, and in uh, some places, I guess some areas contain more insects per, per per square foot than other places do. So they have to go out and find those, and they travel through the ground. And those raised uh, ridges you see out there from their tunneling uh, is very often uh, them out. Uh, uh, looking for for food supplies and they may they may use that same tunnel if they find a spot out there or an area that's that's you know rich in a uh, food source for them they may go but visit it frequently so you you try to uh, determine which uh, uh, runs uh, those raised areas out there those uh, those ridge runs are active that are used on a fairly regular basis how do you do that well so so you damage uh, the, the run a little bit so uh, you know again it's raised so you go out and, and you 
you you you stomp an area of the run down, flatten it back down, uh, and, and put a put a marker off to the side so you remember where you did that. Do that to every run you see. Then go back the next day to see if that damaged area has been repaired, has been pushed back up again. You know, you do that a time or two, and if they keep con- if they keep repairing those damaged areas, well, that's a good sign. Okay, this run is used on a regular basis. Then that's where you're gonna. Uh, th- that's those are the runs you're going to put the uh, uh, the worms in, the poison worms in there. And the directions are on the package that tell you how to do that, how you insert a hole. You know, using a dowel rod or something, uh, the correct size, uh, so you put the worm down in the hole, uh, and and so that you're going to minimize uh, opportunities for non-target animals to come into contact with it but that original question was is it damaging to other animals yes and there are cautions on there about uh, uh, about uh, you know dogs and whatnot getting to it i've even seen some that say you know if it's a dog of a certain size they get one worm here's what you do if they get two worms you know do this they get three or four worms then you you know then, then it's bad so uh, they're pretty toxic well i mean they, yeah they, if it if it would kill a mole i mean why would it not kill you know a, a small dog mm-hmm. or whatever and you know again if it's if it's a big dog if they were eat enough of them sure there sure. be a toxic yeah. effect absolutely so be careful on that we're going to pause for just a moment check on the traffic and weather we'll be right back on this saint patrick's day edition of Mitchell Moat and the Lawn and Garden Show. All that's news, your afternoon local news, traffic and weather update with Matt Lane. Weekday afternoons, 440 until all sports talk on News Radio WGNS. This is Kim Dunaway from Sunshine Nutrition Center. You hear me on Monday mornings at 720 talking about how to lead a healthier lifestyle. We carry supplements, personal care, and grocery items at both our Murfreesboro and Smyrna locations, family-owned and operated since 1989. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Please come see us for all your pet and your feathered friend needs. We also have a great gift department with wonderful great gift ideas. And always we have what you need for the farm or the garden. And in our clothing department, we have our Carhartt clothing line. And for ladies, we have our MG Carhartt. And we also have our wonderful muck boots. The Co-op Farm and Home Center is at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. CapstarBank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Morning, still some traffic volume out here on 24 up through the Hickory Hollow area in Cannon County, still on the scene of that crash. Uh, it's going to be Highway 53, Jim Cummings Highway near Pelham Road. It is in its clearing stages. Just give yourself an extra time out here. It's already been busy. Hey, Gatlinburg Wine Cellar is home of the world-famous cotton candy wine. Check them out at GatlinburgWineCellar.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Partial sunshine develops here this afternoon, high in the low 70s. Winds out of the southwest of 5 to 10 miles per hour. For tonight, partly cloudy skies develop low near 50. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 48. This is 
Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Did you know we specialize in commercial and fleet business? We're equipped to handle all of your company's automotive needs. Download our Tire World app today for free oil changes and electronic coupons. Come by today for all of your automotive needs. Online at tireworld.us. Overnight, Good Neighbor Talk turns the UFOs, aliens, the unknown. It's Coast to Coast AM overnight every night on WGNS Murfreesboro. Back again, Mitchell Moat is our guest on this St. Patrick's Day. And we're talking lawns and gardens. Here's a, another text from a listener says, Can you confirm, I guess or deny, <laughs> for me that people with fescue need to mow their yard on uh, the tall setting of the moor, use it tall setting and not scalp the lawn. Sure. Uh, yes, tall fescue, uh, it, just like all other grasses, they those those fescue species, varieties, have a uh, suggested mowing height. Uh, and as long as you stay within that mowing height range, you know, you're going to, to benefit the grass. For, for fescue, uh, for tall fescue, uh, three inches would be the lowest. Uh, and during good growing season, uh, like we're in now, you know, in this springtime and also in the fall of the year, you know, three inches is good. Uh, as you, uh, I wouldn't suggest going much lower than that. Uh, one thing about tall grass uh, is you create more shade on the ground, and uh, the more the more shade cover you have, or the more uh, uh, plant cover, canopy cover you have up there, uh, then you can uh, uh, you know protect the ground somewhat, uh, so that it doesn't dry out as fast, and so on. So so yeah, that's a plus. But also you don't stress the grass as much uh, when you when you maintain it uh, in that recommended mowing height range. So for good growing condition weather like the spring and the fall uh three inches is about as low as i I would suggest that you go when you move into you know warmer months sure raise the mower up some um and you know the goal is to not remove more than a third of the length of the grass blade at a time anyway so you may have to mow frequently to do that Uh, clippings aren't bad you just don't want to generate a a thick layer of clipping out there that's going to be thick enough to exclude sunlight uh, and not let it get to the grass and one more question. Okay. This is sort of interesting here. I'd never thought about this. Why are worms found on asphalt roads in my subdivision, especially after rains? My dog loves to pick them up. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's because, uh, you know, they've got to have oxygen. And if the ground is, it, it, if it is totally saturated with water, then that means that all the pore spaces uh, between the solid particles are full of water. And, and if all the spaces are full of water, then you don't have any oxygen in those spaces. So they've got to come up for air. Uh, and so basically they're drowning and they have to get, you know, come up to uh, try to get air. Uh, and they get on a sidewalk or a, a driveway and boom, they wish they'd have stayed in the ground at that point, I guess. Okay. On that note, we say thank you to Mitchell Boat from the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service for joining us on this St. Patrick's Day. Thank you much. I'm glad to be here and hope to see you again. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Yes, sir. You too.